Hello and welcome to Next Friday Club. My guest today is Bruce Lynn, Managing Partner of the Financial Executives Consulting Group. He's a veteran of U.S. and global cash and treasury and also of uh, going to the AFP conference. And that's what we're going to be talking about, issues and the questions that the AFP conference raised. There were over 5,000 participants. There were quite literally hundreds of exhibitors. So what we're going to look first at is how did AFP teach us about one of the fundamental problems in Treasury? How does Treasury, corporate Treasury, manage, measure itself? Well, I think the AFP has done some very interesting uh, surveys. They did one a couple of years ago. Uh, they just recently repeated it. And I think the uh, two interesting things come out. One is that the results were consistent over the different surveys. If I remember correctly, the surveys um, incorporated six or 700 different uh, treasury professionals. And to me, one of the jaw-dropping statistics was the percentage of treasuries that have no metrics whatsoever. I think the answer is something like 50% of treasuries have no metrics. That's also been reflected in other surveys in Europe as well. Uh, that's correct. I don't think that's good news. Uh, when uh, those others outside of Treasury don't understand how Treasury is, quote-unquote, successful, that can't be good for both uh, parties. So uh, that's not good news, and I'd like to think that a survey a year from now will show that statistic changing. But I think it, it does beg the question, um, how should Treasury measure its success? And I think that there are some uh, statistics on that, I don't think, or, or metrics, I'm sorry, there's some metrics on that. I don't think there's any one magic metric. I, I wish there were, but I think that there are some. But before you look at metrics, you have to step back and say, well, what business am I in? And I think people would agree that Treasury is in the liquidity and risk business. So if that is would, the business... Would you agree that there is a significant element of working capital management inside Treasury these days? seems to me the focus oh, has changed. It, it should be because when you talk about liquidity, again, I think that maybe a gross oversimplification, but liquidity comes from within the company or outside the company. Within the company, it's operating cash flow. I don't think anybody would debate that. That's certainly the largest source of, of cash within a company. But then you have to um, match sources with uses. And if the internal sources are insufficient to accomplish whatever the goals are, that has been decided on and whatever risks you wish to take, if you don't have an enough liquidity, then you have to go outside, debt markets, equity markets, whatever, sell assets, uh, whatever you have to do so that you match sources and uses. So the real issue is how much liquidity is enough or how much risk is too much? And I think there are some metrics you could use. Um, if, if I had to put forward one single metric, I would say it would be free cash flow. That would be sort of the treasury equivalent of earnings per share or, or EBITDA, in which people generally argue, well, how much EBITDA do you want? And the answer is more. How much cash, free cash flow do you want? Probably the answer is more. Uh, but again, that's a gross number, and, and there are other metrics I think you have to use, and that's probably... Yeah, P 
tell us anything about this? Because I didn't see any sessions addressing this. I, I'd say I would agree with you. I, I didn't see any. I think there was like 140, 150 sessions, and they were on a variety of very good topics, ranging from international to payments to pensions to so on and so forth. Uh, I think there was some conversation around uh, the need for metrics, but it occupied, in my opinion, a, a too small a period of time. I think this is a, a critical issue, not only for treasurers uh, professionally, but I think also personally, if you believe that your next job is going to be as, a, let's say, the CFO, why would you get promoted unless someone knows that you're successful or has been able to, to generate success. Correct. I went to a session featuring Sprint Working Capital Management, Management and Metrics in Working Capital Management, and they were very specific about how they use metrics to compare themselves and drive their performance. Well, I think working capital is absolutely important. I mean, the, the change in working capital is the source of operating cash flow. If it is insufficient, there are internal things you can do and you can sell assets. That it would include cash or ca I'm sorry, cash equivalents. I mean, that's an asset. That's uh, money market funds. You sell those. You turn it into cash. But the whole point of you know, what is it that you're actually building? I don't think uh, Treasury is in the business of just executing transactions because it gives them something to do. There has to be a goal, and that goal has to be integrated. Treasury. I mean, if you go back a couple of years ago when you had different types of securities or different options. Um, Back before the, today, uh, the recent crisis, uh, people would buy money market funds and they would say, well, I want more yield for my money market funds. Well, lo and behold, they got more yield up until the time a couple of money market funds broke the buck. And now you have new regulations about floating net asset values to reflect reality. So there is no sure thing. Uh, even treasury bills, the safest uh, investment going changes values on a daily basis. Not much, but they change. So assets, you know, change value. If you need those, then you have to sell them. Maybe you sell the entire business. Obviously, many uh, articles in the press about people selling businesses to uh, to raise cash. Um, if they can't get enough, which is always a relative thing then they have to go to the capital markets. And, and when you think about this in terms of risk, if I have to go to the capital markets, I have less control or there is more risk that I will not get what I want. Try asking the bank for just any amount of money and the bank's going to say, well, no. The risk that of, of you paying me back is X and um, therefore you can only have you know, Y amount of money. Why does that risk come into that? Because you're talking, you mentioned two elements. One is the free cash flow, and the other is risk. Mm -hmm. What is the, your mantra in terms of the risk management metric? Well, I think there's a couple of risk management metrics. I think the, you know, the, the clearest one, which resonates with, quote, unquote, the stream, is the whole concept of leverage. I mean, this is really behind Basel III, the idea that banks can only be levered in a certain way. I think the interesting part about Basel III is now the concern about liquidity coverage ratios, something that wasn't really as clear-cut in, let's say, Basel II. Flip that around to corporations. Liquidity, um, how much liquidity is enough? If you're over-levered, well, maybe you have a lot of liquidity, but you also have a lot of 
in this case, um, market risk. And you could have, uh, you could even have operating risk. I mean, there are different types of risks. That's why there is no one good metric here, but operating risk, credit risk, in other words, who you do business with, and of course, market risk, which means you're subject to changes in, in, in currency or commodity rate. This is why I, I think all of the studies that I've seen say that of the things that Treasury should be doing, you know, cash forecasting is, is, is the holy grail of Treasury. People want strategic forecasts, tactical forecasts. They should be accurate. They should be complete. And the answer is, well, why, why are you forecasting? And the answer is, so I know whether my sources of funds meet my uses of funds, given the business goals that I, that I wish to do. So leverage is certainly a risk, uh, I'm sorry, leverage is, uh, I think, a, a risk ratio. So but if we bring it together, were there any single thing that came out of the AFP in terms of corporate treasury managing itself properly? Well, there were, there were certainly components of it. I think that there was no, and maybe I missed it, but I don't know if there was any kind of a holistic strategy uh, around how Treasury uh, really should measure itself. You can talk about working capital. You can talk about other elements, hedging, for example. But, but you know, back to your question about a, uh, a metric, I think the idea of exposure, how exposed am I to uh, foreign exchange rates or interest rates or commodity rates? The idea that you want to have a capital structure with a certain amount of fixed rate debt versus variable rate debt. But even those uh, you know, suggestions don't get to the whole idea of, well, how much debt should I have, regardless of whether it's variable or fixed. So there are different metrics, and they each try to measure a different piece. But I think holistically, you don't want, banks don't want a company to be uh, wholly leveraged. You can see this in the kinds of covenants that they employ a debt-to-net-worth covenant, a times-interest-earned covenant, other financial ratio covenants, as well as what I'll call non-financial covenants, which is, uh, for example, if you sell assets, they have to be reported. They have to be reported within 45 days or whatever, because that sale of assets generates cash. And the the bank wants to know where that cash is going. Okay, but if we Mm -hmm. now look at what AFP told us about the role of technology in making the corporate treasury department more effective. Were there any examples that stood out for you in terms of new technologies? Well, I don't know about new, but I think that all of the vendors have enhanced their current offerings. I think the one thing that struck me, um, first of all, is that there's actually more treasury management system vendors out there that I had known about. I'm not going to mention any specific vendors, but if you look at sort of the big three, which I mean, I can mention those names, but if you look at the big three, there are also now more systems out there. A few of them I have not heard of. Interesting enough, I think they're coming out of Europe. I think the big news on the block is is the fact that, that Bloomberg is coming out with a system. They're certainly the biggest of the vendors that has now you know, put their hand into the treasury management system market. So I think there's more choices. That's always good. But I think the other issue about treasury technology is that, again, there is really no one system to rule them all. You need to have a series of systems that would talk to different attributes of treasury. 
For example, SunGuard at the conference was emphasizing its uh, SunGuard treasury, uh, SunGuard network that is a money market portal. And there were other uh, money market portals there. They were obviously foreign exchange portals. So depending on the different components, you have best of breed like systems, but they have to work with others like a treasury management system. Because I didn't see much progress in terms of the, the connectivity piece. There was nothing new from SWIFT or any of the other developers that stood out. No, there, I don't see anything new there either. All the vendors will claim that they can all speak to each other by you know, passing files back and forth. But that, that's a whole, without going down the, that sort of technical rat hole, um, I'm sure they can talk to each other. You can always translate it. But every time you hand off, to somebody else, you, you have your own sort of interface issues. I think interesting enough, there's one issue that hasn't been really addressed. If you are a corporation and you are cash rich and you are investing in different asset classes, unlike Swift, unlike Fedwire, unlike ACH or NACHA, which has a very well-defined format, these are sort of the two or three main languages that people speak. You deal with the various broker dealers. Uh, there is no one language. J.P. Morgan, B of A, BlackRock, State Street, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs. If you have five or six investment accounts with these and others, they all speak their own language. And there's no unifying language so that when you what I call bid and buy an investment. But isn't that what the investment portal is for? Well, the investment portals are allow you to buy. Well, they, no, they allow you to buy. They don't allow you to pay. With one or two exceptions, uh, Bank of New York Mellon, for example, when you buy on a Bank of New York platform, you have to have a Bank of New York demand deposit account. So when you buy, they charge your account, but you have to have one. That's not true with all the others. And even if you buy securities through Bank of New York Mellon, again, I'm making up an example here, but if you buy a million dollars of Bank of New York securities through Bank of New York and only have a half a million in your Bank of New York account because let's say JP Morgan is your concentration bank, you have to transfer money. So there's a settlement, uh, there's a settlement uh, portion to this, which requires uh, a link between let's say that platform and your treasury management platform. And there are many different ways to do this thing. I, I, so, but the point here is that you can buy securities, but you have to pay for them. Now, where is that money coming from? It may or may not be at your broker dealer. And of course you have to make sure that that money gets there within 24, 48 hours. Uh, so there is that transactional uh, issues you have to deal with, or to put it another way, there's a certain amount of operating risk that goes with buying these things because you may fail to deliver or fail to receive and with overdrafts and, and all the angst that goes with that. But I think the, the, the treasury management systems are working better together. There are more platforms that, for example, um, uh, 360T is one of the few platforms that I know of that you can buy and sell foreign exchange and money market instruments. 
There are a lot of money market portals. There are a lot of foreign exchange portals, but there's few that do it together. Uh, there may be others. And again, I'm there's not recommending. I, I think so. I think when you look at when you look at Treasury, and you 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 get down to the 25,000 foot level, um, Treasury has got four main components to it: cash management, investment management, debt management, and risk management. They're all integrated, of course. And you're executing transactions. And you've got the market on the left-hand side. You've got the users on the right-hand side. And you've got information and transactions flowing back and forth to these integrated um, spheres of influence. Okay, but you're still saying that there, it's not all, all integrated. There are still problems in terms of bringing it all together. Yes, and I think cash forecasting is a good example of that. Um, treasury management systems are very strong, very powerful, scenario planning and, and all the good things that we talked about. But what a treasury management system doesn't have, because treasury is in the liquidity and risk business, treasury management systems don't have anything in their systems that have to do with profitability. For example, working capital, AR and AP, AR and AP are not in the treasury management system. They're in some ERP system. Well, so how do you know what's going to be collected tomorrow, the next day, or even three months from now? Well, there, well, we start to see solutions to that with the integration into the ERP systems and so on. Hans Auger is a good example that does that. Quite a few others do. Well, yeah, my, my, my final point here is that the, 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 the active integration is still, I think, a work in progress. Witness uh, any large company that probably has multiple ERP systems. I mean, I would argue that a treasury management system is, again, a liquidity engine that can actually help integrate all of these pieces. Because at the end of the day, everything has to go through the cash account. If it doesn't, you're going to jail. So treasury management system can act as a as sort of a um, top side tool much like other tools called CPM systems, Cognos, Hyperion, act as the top integration tool for profitability. I think the TMS, Treasury Management System, can, can do that for liquidity and risk. So if we move now to our final topic, you make a big point about the need for Treasury to improve the interaction with the board to really get mm -hmm. inside and support them. What would what were the lessons from AFP on this? Well, I'm not sure that there are some lessons from AFP. I think again, that's a that's a work in progress. Uh, I think that there are some treasurer has to how do I say this? Be invited to really discuss how important liquidity is to the company. How that happens exactly is difficult to say. I think you're running into some cultural issues here. But I think it's clear that the, that the treasurer, or as I like to call him, the chief liquidity officer, becomes more important to a company, depending on that company's financial condition. Highly leveraged companies, companies that uh, have not been doing well for a variety of reasons, companies that are approaching the uh, the end of their credit facilities, where the credit facilities are maturing. I think this is when the treasurer becomes more important, or when liquidity becomes more important. So then the board is interested, the CFO is interested. But I think that's a long, you know, hard uh, cultural change to bring liquidity and risk up to the same level as profitability. I think there are some things that you could do. I had a client 
that was able to convince the board that liquidity was important. And as a result, targets were set at the operating level. So that not only were, was the general manager of XYZ business responsible for generating certain sales growth or EBITDA, but they were also responsible for actually generating a certain amount of cash flow because the more cash flow that a business can generate, the less they have to borrow or less they have to depend on the capital markets. And so you would, let's say you, you would reduce interest expense. But there was nothing really, any technology or anything that, one of the things that several of the big banks were doing were providing tablets to report and they were making a play of the board's members being given tablets so they could get a handle on what's happening inside the company. Is that going to be significant at all? I think, I think it is significant if one of the things that the board is looking at is a target. It goes back to metrics. I mean, what is the board looking at? If they're looking at some ratio of, of debt to equity or some exposure to the market or the fact is that I always want to have 90 days of cash on hand. I don't think it takes a lot of metrics, but as long as you have that, and if the board sees that, and, I, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say more frequently than, than, than once a quarter, then I think the board can then take the appropriate action to say, you know, we, we, we need to be more liquid or, I mean, if they want to take more risk, that's fine. That, that certainly is their call. But then you have to see that how much risk should they take? So handing out tools like this is good because the more frequently you consult them, the more, the more sensitive you are to change. The question now is which changes are you measuring? Uh, that I don't think, I, I quite honestly, I'm not sure that, that that's something that, that you're going to get by just handing out tablets. But Clearly not, clearly not. But the change in behavior is what's required. Um, other final point on what can be done to improve interaction with the board? Well, yes. I, my, my final suggestion, and this is maybe a little bit radical, but I, I, I bring this out of my own experiences. You know, what gets measured gets managed. If I have a goal to take on this risk or to avoid that risk and I get a bonus for it, I take that more seriously than, than not. So if operating management or others were given, um, had targets about liquidity and risk that were part of their compensation plan, I think you would have that knitting together and, and more, of a, more of a team approach since people's uh, rewards are based on their compensation.